Thank you for listening to Balance Black Girl. And I have to say, it feels good to be back. So if you're new to BBG, my name is Les. I created Balance Black Girl about four years ago, and I've actually been on a little summer break. So this is my first new episode in a few months, and what a summer it was. I'm excited to catch up, to fill you in on what's been going on with me this summer, and introduce our brand new series that starts with this episode, the Abundance and Money series. So first, let's catch up. How was your summer? Mine was kind of a lot. (laughs) First of all, it flew by, especially August. Like that month went by in the blink of an eye. I did spend quite a bit of the summer traveling, and that tends to make time pass by really quickly. But I have to say, it truly flew by. So in early July, I went back to Seattle for a week. My job gives everyone that week off, which is... (laughs) A blessing. So I went back to Seattle to spend the week with my family. That's where I'm from, more specifically to meet my new uncle. So I don't talk a ton about my family on here, mainly because I don't, you know, obviously put all their business in the street. I tend to just do that about my own business, but I'll give you kind of a Cliff Notes version that's not too much of their their personal information. Essentially, earlier this year, my mom connected with her father's side of the family who she didn't grow up with and, and had never really known or had relationships with. And she basically connected with siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, like a whole side of our family that we never really knew. And she's gotten really close to her older brother. So he came to Seattle to visit her and visit Visit the family. I went up so that I could meet him and spend time with all of them and also see some friends while I was in town. And I don't go back to Seattle that often, but whenever I do, I really love seeing my people, seeing my family, and seeing my friends. So that was a good, like, heartwarming. <laughs> trip to kind of kick off the summer. So my next trip after I went to Seattle the following week, uh, I took a weekend trip to Savannah, Georgia. I'd been to Savannah once before. A friend of mine from college lives there and I went for her wedding a few years ago. And it's it's a cute city. I mean, I feel like I had a, a similar visit where I was just exploring the city a bit. I mean, it's definitely on the smaller side, smaller than Los Angeles, but it's a really cute city that has a lot of charm, obviously has that Southern hospitality. And it was just nice to be in an entirely different environment for a bit. I find that in my normal routine here in LA, I tend to kind of do the same things over and over, be in the same places over and over. And so even just getting a change of scenery was really refreshing. Then in August, I took what I consider to be my big trip and I went to Costa Rica. So I went on the Good Vibe Retreat hosted by Good Moms, Bad Choices, and had such a good time. So you may remember earlier this year, I did a pod swap with them. And after we recorded, they were talking about their retreat. And I was like, (laughs) I need a vacation. I'm down. I'll go. So I went and I didn't know any of the other retreat attendees initially, but it was just such a beautifully curated trip. And the group of women who went were all amazing. So by the end of the trip, we all really bonded and just felt like a little family. The retreat had a really good mix of activities and downtime and free time to explore. We did some really great workshops about healing and connection and intimacy. We went out, we had beach time, there was daily yoga. We also got to spend some time learning about the Bri Bri peoples who are an indigenous group in Costa Rica, which I actually really love that part. That may have been one of my favorite parts of the trip. And then I also, while I was there, met with an astrologer and got a birth chart reading, which was really enlightening. 
I've talked before on the podcast about my kind of mixed relationship with astrology. She was a great astrologer and she went really in depth on my chart and provided a lot of clarity that I was not expecting. I think I walk into those situations with a lot of skepticism, almost a lot of fear because I don't ever want to get bad news, (laughs) but it was more so about understanding why I do some of the things that I do. And it really, really resonated. So if you're ever curious in getting a birth chart reading, it could be something cool to explore. It was very different than than what I expected and a really good experience. Now, I also had my first experience with plant medicine. So I took psilocybin, which is basically mushrooms for the first time. And I don't know how to describe it. (laughs) I don't know how to describe how that went. I honestly just felt out of it for a while, for you know, a couple of hours, and then I just kind of didn't. Um, when people were asking me how I was feeling, I was telling them like I feel mostly normal. Everything seems normal. I'm not like hallucinating, but I just feel like I'm moving in slow motion. Like I felt like everyone else was moving normally and at a normal pace, and I was just like moving through molasses, or I was talking slowly and just comprehending things slowly, even though obviously that that wasn't the case, but that was just how it felt in my mind. And I have to say, I think I was hoping for a little bit more enlightenment uh, and just mental expansion, if that makes sense, because I did it after I had talked to the astrologer and she had kind of noted how much earth I have in my chart. I have a lot of earth placements, a lot of Taurus, Capricorn, Virgo, and she mentioned how I may be a little bit too grounded, which I Before that conversation, never thought was a thing, but now that she explained it, I'm like, yeah, I could kind of see that. She was like, you need a little bit more time to expand and to let your mind roam and to dream and to not be so realistic all the time. And so after having that conversation with her, when I then went to do the psilocybin, I think I was expecting my mind to kind of open up in different ways. And I didn't necessarily feel that. You know, it was my first time and and maybe walking in with that expectation, you know, kind of wasn't the best approach to have. I actually think you're probably not supposed to have any expectations when you do that sort of thing, but that's more of what I was hoping for. And so I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't necessarily feel that, that I didn't feel like I got some amazing like downloads or ideas or creativity. I've definitely been in a deep creative rut for a long time. And I was hoping that the time off and that these experiences would kind of jumpstart that. And the fact that I didn't get that was a little bit disappointing. However, the fact that I did feel (laughs) slowed down during the experience, maybe that's a metaphor for the ways in which I need to continue to slow down. I don't know. But you know, maybe that's what I needed, but it wasn't my initial intention. So I want to try it again because I'm not sure I was in the right headspace for it at that time. (laughs) Living in LA, this is the perfect place to get into all that. So when I do it again, I'll I'll definitely report back or, or maybe I'll find someone who is kind of an expert in that area and bring them on the podcast to talk about it. But if you're interested in retreats, definitely check out the Good Vibe Retreat. Erica and Mila did a beautiful job curating that experience. I believe they have a few dates lined up for next year. So check them out. And if you would be interested in a Balanced Black Girl Retreat, Let me know. Let me know on Instagram. Maybe leave a comment on the latest post or or shoot us a DM because we may be able to make some magic happen if people are interested and serious about it. So let me know. 
So outside of traveling, I I just really tried to get out of the house more. <laughs> I've been more proactive with making plans with friends, taking workout classes again, just wanting to be around other people after the amount of like time in isolation that I've spent alone over the past two years. That's become really important to me. Um, and actually, when I had my birth chart read, Sylvia, the astrologer, said that my life path or higher purpose was to thrive in community, which I actually thought was really interesting because I do tend to be very introverted and I get very easily drained by people. It takes not much (laughs) in an interaction for me to feel drained and to have the desire to retreat. So I also want to explore that. Like maybe I haven't been a part of the right types of community or the communities that really feed my soul in the right way because I do wonder what it would feel like to truly feel fed and energized being around people because that just hasn't been my lived experience so far. So I don't know. But that was pretty much my summer. That's what I've been up to for the past few months that I was, you know, taking time off of recording. But I am happy to be back. I'm happy to bring you new content. It seemed like people enjoyed the rewinds that we did all summer. So I appreciate you all tuning into those because those were some of my favorite conversations that we've had over the past several years. And seeing that you appreciate them as much as I do means a lot. But now it's time to get to some new stuff. So so let's get into the next series. So here on Balanced Black Girl, we produce episodes in series that basically means we take a central theme or a topic, we examine it from different perspectives over the course of about six-ish episodes. I'm a little flexible with it. So our series that I'm kicking off today is the Abundance and Money series. This series was inspired by a few different things, one being my own interest in personal finance and just understanding money better, right? A big key to having money and leveraging money, understanding it, right? I, like many people, was not raised to have healthy financial habits. I was not directly taught how to do a lot of things when it comes to finances. And over the past year, I've really wanted to challenge myself on that because I was making not necessarily poor financial decisions, but like not the best financial decisions that I would use. Well, oh, I wasn't taught as an excuse to continue making not the best financial decisions that were truly serving me. And and I really wanted to challenge myself on that. And I wanted to call myself in on that because there are a lot of things that I wasn't necessarily taught to do that I seem to figure out. Right. I didn't, as a child, have anybody sit me down and teach me how to podcast. Also, podcasts didn't exist, but you know what I'm saying. I didn't have anybody sit me down and teach me how to do it. I wanted to learn, so I sought the knowledge and did it, right? I didn't have anybody teach me how to create content. I wanted to create content, so I started learning and I sought the knowledge to do it. So living in this current period in history, when we have access to any subject or piece of information at our fingertips, I was really feeling ready to learn and apply. I could not hold that against anybody in my life for what they didn't teach me or what they didn't tell me or what they didn't do because I just finally reached a point where I understood, okay, there's something I need to do. And if I don't have the knowledge, then it's time for me to seek it out. So that was a lot of where my head has been at and a lot of what inspired this series. And as always, whenever I learn something, whenever I'm uncovering something, I want to come and I want to share it with you. That's like my first instinct. That's what this podcast was created for. So so that's what we're going to do here. 
I, I don't ever want to act like not having money or being in a hard spot is a sign of personal failure because it's not. It's so often systemic and there are so many contributing factors to the financial challenges that many are facing right now. So just know that when we talk about budgeting and getting out of debt, it's really about doing the best you can with what you have and, and that we focus on those actionable things as a source of encouragement. But I just wanted to, to put that disclaimer out there. Now, I wanted to start off the series by talking about an asset that is closely tied with money, but is even more valuable than money, and that is time. So I recently had a birthday, and I like to use my birthday as my own personal new year. So it's when I like to set intentions and get really clear on what I want to call in in the coming year. And my intention this year is all about time and truly treating time the way I would treat money, understanding where my time goes, spending time wisely, investing my time so I can get a healthy return. This is what I like to call time abundance. So I don't know about you, but I've not had the best relationship with time at points in my life, whether I was having a really busy season and I was just super stressed because I didn't feel like I had enough time to get everything done, or I've had seasons where I've had long, stressful commutes and stressful jobs that worked long hours, and I just felt so frustrated and resentful that so much of my time was used simply getting to and from and and doing work that I honestly couldn't stand. Even on a broader level, that fear of getting older of running out of time to do the things that I want to do in life. And as my 30s are cruising by, I would be lying if I said I didn't still struggle with that because time feels like it goes so fast. One minute you're a young adult and you're getting your first job and you're embarking on adulthood. And the next thing you know, you're turning 30 and you're wondering where the time went, right? Wondering where the dreams you had went and how life took different twists and turns that you didn't anticipate. And you might wonder, like, how did I get here? Over the past two years in particular, I've seen a lot of people online say things like time is a construct or time isn't real. And to that, I say yes and no, right? If time just totally wasn't real, like what are seasons? <laughs> if time isn't real, what are the cycles of the moon, right? What are our menstrual cycles? Like These are all measurements of time, but they're measurements of time in the context of nature. I believe in the context of nature, time is absolutely real. What I think is not real are some of the bounds of time that we're held to, right? Uh, that schooling should take a certain number of years, that 40 hours of work each week is a standard. Uh, if you haven't reached a certain level of success by 30, then you're behind. So many of the deadlines we're holding ourselves to, those things, I think those are aspects of time that are not real. In fact, global time, as we know it, didn't exist until 1884. That was when the 24-hour clock became the standard, and that was when time zones were created. In the long scope of things, that's actually a very short amount of time. 1884, compared to how long humanity has been in existence, was not that long ago. So what do we do with all of this, and what does this have to do with time abundance? According to Psychology Today, time abundance is a method of looking at time as a tool, not as a deadline or an imaginary clock that we need to constantly beat or try to get ahead of. So they consider time abundance the idea of treating time as an accomplice in living the life you want to live instead of seeing it as this scarce resource that you have to overcome each day. Now, if I had a dollar every time I said or thought, I don't have time for XYZ, or there isn't enough time for XYZ, I would have racks on racks on racks. 
And I found that the more I focus on what I don't have time for, the less time I truly have. So a little while back, I started looking at my time. I started looking at my days, looking at how I spent them. The first time I ever did this, I was actually working with a coach. This was probably six or seven years ago. At the time, I was working two jobs. I had a horrible commute for one of them. So for my Seattle people, at the time I was living in Kent, I was commuting up to Capitol Hill several days a week for one of my jobs. Then for the other job, I was working you know, nights and weekends in retail. I was also teaching early morning fitness classes. This was when my content creation and, and work I was doing as a blogger was starting to pick up. Circa you know, 2016, Instagram was really picking up. So I was working with this coach because I was feeling really burned out. And I told her how exhausted and burned out I was feeling. And she asked me to track my time for a few days, hour by hour, so that we could draw correlations between what I was doing and how I was feeling. And when I tracked that time, it was rough. When I saw it out on paper, it was really, really hard. Most of my time was either spent working one of my jobs, commuting between jobs, and in the rare downtime I had, I was numbing out. So I was spending a lot of time online, just exhausted and zoned out. And it made me realize that if my schedule were a bank account, it would have been severely overdrawn, right? My stuff was raggedy. I had to think about what I wanted and, and what was serving me at that time. So I ended up making some changes. I ended up leaving the fitness studio I was working at because it took such a toll physically and was just not moving the needle income wise. Like fitness does not pay well. I don't know if you know that. Anybody who's worked in fitness probably knows that, but I just found that what I was putting into it, it wasn't worth the energy, the time, the physical strain. And then also around that time, I had the opportunity to start picking up more hours at my retail job, which between bonuses and commission, the time I was saving not commuting to that other job, it actually made more sense financially to focus my energy there. So I ended up quitting that other job that I had. This time period taught me a lot about the value of my time, and I started to understand how I spent my time really impacted the quality of my life. So that was one of my first major lessons when I was able to focus my time on things that produced a bigger return, and that return could have been more of my time back. Maybe it was more money. Maybe it was more time to spend with my friends and family. It started giving me some of my time back to spend how I please. It opened up a totally different perspective. So if you haven't done a time tracking exercise, I highly encourage you to do so. I actually created a little template that's linked in the show notes. You can use it uh, to track your time for a few days just to see how you're feeling, see what's going on. Something else that can be really helpful is going into your phone settings and looking at your time there. Specifically, if you have an iPhone, it'll tell you how much time you're spending either on your screen or on certain apps each week. And you can determine if how you're spending your time is in alignment with how you want to feel. So you can get that template by going to balancedblackgirl.com slash time or visiting the show notes so that you can do a little time tracking and see where that exercise leads you. Now I'm hard headed. I really never have just one job. So that season that I described in 2016 was not the last time that I was feeling pulled in a lot of directions partially because I'm a busybody and I'm just always adding things to my own plate. And also I've definitely worked multiple jobs, continue to work multiple jobs out of necessity because as we all know, life is expensive, right? And we'll talk a lot about that in this series. But the full-time work and content creation juggle is one that I've been doing for a very long time now in one way or another. And it can be really rewarding to share content and be in community with you all. And when I hear from you all how Balanced Black Girl or other things I've worked on have helped you, I can't help but feel really grateful that I get to do this. And 
it's still work. And on top of having a day job, which I've, I've had this whole time, it's a constant juggle. So I'm constantly overcoming time scarcity, giving myself space and grace to lean into time abundance as I navigate giving my time, energy, and brain power to these two separate worlds while still needing to pour into myself and my relationships at some point too. So as I just mentioned, psychology today describes time abundance as treating time like a friend or an ally, a teammate that is working with you, not against you. And I would like to take that a step further and say that I feel most time abundant when I'm treating time like an asset, right? An asset is something useful or valuable. In finance, an asset is something that you have or you own that has value, such as cash, property, or stocks, bonds, a business, a car, art, jewelry. These are all considered assets because they could be traded for value. So what if we started treating time like an asset and time abundance is what we do, the mindset we have, the way we move to cause that asset to appreciate, right? Appreciate means increase in value. On the other hand, moving in time scarcity would cause that asset to depreciate or to go down in value. How could that impact the way we move through our days? So I've revisited the time tracking exercise at different points in my life to reset, especially when I'm feeling time scarce or when I'm feeling overwhelmed. I like to go through what's on my plate, how I'm spending my time, and look for opportunities of appreciation. What can I do to create more time or more space? So let me walk you through an example of what that's looked like for me. So if we take podcasting and content creation as an example... About a year into podcasting, when things really started picking up and I started getting more busy, I was concerned that I was setting myself up for burnout. I wasn't there yet, but I could feel it coming. (laughs) So I sat down and I wrote down all the things I was doing to make this podcast run. So everything from brainstorming episode ideas to pitching guests to writing and responding to emails, editing the episodes, writing the show notes, writing the blog posts, creating graphics for social media, posting the graphics on social media, going back and forth with guests to answer their questions and get their photos so I could create the graphics, responding to DMs. I mean, that's a short list of all that goes into it. And I was like, okay, this is everything I'm currently doing. And it's a lot. One, are these things necessary? Two, can I get help in some way? Three, if I do need to do them, is there a way I can do them more efficiently? So at that time, from a budget perspective, I was not in a place where I had the resources to delegate to other people. (laughs) Very expensive to do that. So I started delegating to technology. So back and forth correspondence with guests was becoming a really big time drain and hiring a VA to do that for me wasn't in the budget. So I was like, okay, how can I automate this? How can I simplify this to give me some time back to give the guests more clarity? So I ended up creating this system where I use an automatic scheduling tool. I use Acuity. You could use something like Calendly. You know, they, they work very similarly. That was synced with my Google Calendar so that my availability was always up to date. So when I would be talking to a guest to book them on the show, instead of emailing back and forth to find a time, uh, when we got to a point where they agreed to come on, I'd send them this link and it has a little form. So they select their time based on my availability that I've predetermined. And when they fill out the form, they need to provide their bio. That's when they provide their social media handles, their headshot, anything they'd like to promote, any information that I need to prepare for the episode. Then when they book, it creates a Google calendar invite that is sent to me 
and is sent to them with all of the info they provided, as well as a link to the online software that I use to record. And they are automatically sent an onboarding document that I wrote with all the information they needed to know. And I put, you know, common answers to questions that I was getting from potential guests all in one place just so that they had everything they needed. And it saved me so much time, so much money. It made things clearer and easier for my guests because they had all the information they needed right in the calendar invite. It saved so much on emailing back and forth. Creating that process was probably one of my greatest acts of time abundance. My time appreciated after I implemented that process. I took what was often a string of anywhere between five to 10 emails and I cut it down to what was one email (laughs) and then an automated process from there. So I got so much time, energy, and brain power back. I was then able to use that time to prep more for interviews so that the quality of the show was better or just chill and recharge and pour into myself, which also makes the work that I do so much better. So as you embark on time abundance, look for ways you can leverage time as an asset. Are there some ways you can create some appreciation for that asset? And maybe it's not creating a process or streamlining. Maybe you are in a place to delegate. Uh, Maybe it is asking for help. Maybe it's saying no to something. Maybe it's honing in on distractions so that you can get things done in less time so you can create more time to pour into yourself, right? So how can you make things easier for yourself? We tend to do things the hard way because we think we have to. We think everything has to be hard because we find merit in accepting that things have to be hard. But what if we found strength in making things easier and then going on about our day? I can't think of anything more abundant than that. So next I want to talk about time as a privilege because time can not always, but certainly can be a privilege. As always, there is nuance here. So you'll remember back in the girl boss era, that meme that said you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. I definitely had that as a screensaver on my phone during my working 5011 jobs, commuting everywhere phase. I look back on it and cringe because I'm like, girl, Beyonce is not taking the bus an hour each way to work like you are. Like Beyonce is not teaching fitness classes, making $10 a class. Boo. She values her time more. So you do not have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. But Hive don't come for me because I love Beyonce. But she and I do not have the same 24 hours in a day. Her 24 hours are very different from mine. My 24 hours are very different from yours. So when it comes to our relationship with time, we tend to compare ourselves to people who are living under entirely different circumstances. A working parent has a very different 24 hours than someone who doesn't have kids, and that's okay. A parent to a new baby has a very different 24 hours than someone whose kids are grown, and that's okay. A person who has a 24-hour commute has a very different 24 hours than someone who works from home, and again, that's okay. So as we're looking at our own personal relationships with time, it's important to keep our own circumstances in mind, figuring out how you can be as time abundant as possible from where you are with the time you have. And as your life changes, you can change how you approach time along with it. If you see a morning routine TikToks from the tech girlies who work from home because it makes you feel away because your mornings are jam-packed and look different, it's okay to keep swiping, to tap not interested if it's not a value or relatable to you, okay? You are doing amazing. You are amazing. And it is okay if your version of amazing looks and feels 
different from someone else's, whether that is Beyonce's or an influencer or me or your neighbor or anyone else. You are in charge. You are the boss of what you consume and how you move. And you may not be in full control over your time, but you are in full control over what you consume. You are in full control over how you move through the world. And you are in full control over how you respond to what you see. All right. Now let's talk about the intersection of time and money. Because you might be thinking less, what does this have to do with money? I thought this was a money series. Great question. I got you. The answer to that is everything. Time has everything to do with money. Okay. Now I'm very much still a working girl, still a baddie on a budget. But I will say over the past few years, my financial situation has improved. So let me tell you, the years 2017 to 2019 in particular were really, really tough for me financially. But I've been really fortunate to have reached a point where I'm more stable now than I was during that time. And I share that to say that change can happen really, really quickly. And I say that in the most encouraging way possible. All it takes is one yes, one job offer, one contract, one opportunity, one person mentioning your name in a room, one blessing can come to you today and turn this all around. I know times are really hard for a lot of people right now. Life is expensive AF. Even if you're quote unquote doing well, life is still very expensive and everybody's feeling it. And I also know that just one yes can positively change things for you so quickly. So be ready to act on and receive that yes, because you're so, so worthy of it. Now I say all of that to say, reaching a newer found point of stability has shown me how closely intertwined time and money are, how closely linked our attitude towards time and money truly are. I've learned that how I spend my time does have a connection to how much I value myself in that moment. When I'm feeling really high in my value, I'm a lot more focused. I see the goal. My actions are in alignment with the goal. I'm consistent. I follow through. I keep my commitments to myself. I'm not necessarily picking up my phone and looking for dopamine and then getting in this loop where I'm constantly looking for approval because I don't feel like I already have it within myself, right? I treat my time with respect. I'm doing things that will help that asset appreciate. And when my self-value is wavering a bit, I get very easily distracted. Still to this day, I procrastinate to avoid potential discomfort or because I've built something in my head to be harder than it is. I'm looking for things to be distracted by because I feel out of alignment. My actions don't align with my goals in that because in that moment, I may not be fully in my worthiness. I'm not always respecting my time. I'm, I'm creating scarcity and it happens where you're human. I don't say any of that to beat myself up over it. And I don't want you beating yourself up over it. If you can relate to those actions, it's about awareness. And and I feel like at times we all have moments where we blend the two. There are definitely times where we treat our time and ourselves with high value. And there are times when we don't, part of the human experience. But time is actually more important than money. It is always possible to make money. If you lose money, it is entirely possible to get it back and then some. It is not possible to get time back. Time to create memories, time with people we love, time doing things we love. We can't always get that back. 
which is why being abundant with our time, doing all we can to create more, respecting ourselves so we can respect our time, so we can spend time doing what matters most to us is so important. So relating it back to money, the actions are very similar. Now, I want to reiterate here, I'm talking about actions. I'm not saying that under any circumstances, how much money you have is an indication of our self-worth because that is not true. And there are so many examples of why that's not true on both ends where people can have not a lot of money, but still very much respect and value themselves. And people can have a whole lot of money and not respect or value themselves or anybody else. Okay. But how we treat our money similar to how we treat our time, in my experience, is closely linked to how I'm feeling. So when I'm feeling aligned and in a place of value, I do tend to treat my money with more respect. I'm checking my accounts. I'm aligning my spending with my goals. I'm paying things on time. And then when I'm feeling misalignment, again, I do all of this. I'm very human. <laughs> that respect in money isn't always there. So there may be periods of time where I'm not as good about tracking my spending or I go over my budget or I make decisions that don't align with my goals, right? I don't transfer that money to savings, even though I had the goal to. I get a little swipe happy with the credit card. And I think it's important not to create shame or guilt here, but to have some awareness of where we are and what we're doing, right? So lastly, when we think about the intersection of time and money, and I feel, I, I feel a way about what I'm about to say, but it is the truth. Oftentimes, the more money we have, the more opportunities we have to create time. Oftentimes, the more money we have, the more we are in control of how we can spend our time. Again, not always, but that tends to be a pattern. We can afford to delegate things, when you can afford to pay for convenience, when you can afford to catch something early, right? These are all clear examples of the intersection between time and money. And my goal, what I want for us, what I want for you is to be resourced AF. I want you yes, you listening, to have the resources to have your wants, needs, and desires covered and taken care of. I want you to have access to the convenience of your dreams if it means you get time back to take care of you, to spend your precious time pouring into yourself and doing what you love and spending time with the people that you love. So this series is going to be all about getting our money up. We have episodes on everything from budgeting to paying off debt to navigating the black tax to investing to managing money in the context of relationships and protecting ourselves to getting paid more to go, what is crypto? Because I'm still trying to figure it out, right? We're covering it all over the coming six weeks. So make sure you're subscribed. This is probably my favorite series to date, and I don't want you to miss a single episode because these conversations are so important. So as we're closing out, I wanted to remind you that I do have that time tracking template for you at balanceblackgirl.com slash time, which is also linked in the show notes if you'd like to do a time tracking exercise to get a better feel for where your time goes. Head to the show notes for resources related to today's episode, as well as special offers and discount codes from our sponsors. We have amazing brand partners who are really here to hook us all up. They're the reason why me and my team are able to bring you this free podcast every week. So when you support your, our sponsors and, and use our links and use our codes, you are really supporting us. Huge thanks to our sponsors for supporting today's episode and to you, my dear, for tuning in. If you like this episode, if you like Balanced Black Girl, leave us a rating and review. It helps the show stay relevant in the charts and is just really, really helpful for continuing to spread the message about what we're doing. 
And if you really love Balanced Black Girl, share it with a friend so that we can tune in together. Like I said, my goal for this series is for all of us to get our money up. So share the series with your friends so that they can tune in as well. So next week, we're kicking things off by going back to basics. We're talking about budgeting. We're talking about creating habits, saving even when money is tight, and reaching financial goals with Diana King of Money Boss Mama. This episode is packed with gems. Her story is so inspiring. So make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for welcoming me back.